scatters. Box scatters. Box scatters. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 248. This is where the sun don't shine. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Tim Ferguson. Hey. Hey. You bet I'm to the left. I'm right <laughs> over to the left. I'm so far to the left, I'm actually becoming quite conservative. <laughs> to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Tim, you're here as guest host today. I Did certainly you- am, and it's a pleasure to be here on Box Cutters. You know it's my favourite show. It's my favourite show. It's ever. 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 Pretty well. I, I, w- I would have thought uh, maybe with Tim Ferguson on Channel 31 on Wednesday nights at uh, 8. You know, it's, it's funny. Would have been your favourite show. Josh, I haven't seen that show because it's hard when you're making a show to actually see it. And I don't like to look at things back again because, for starters, I'm in reverse. And that's a little bit scary. And also, it's just embarrassing. It's like watching your own teenage poetry. <laughs> I, you- love, I love the idea of you being in reverse because you always see yourself in the mirror. Oh, exactly, exactly, and it's and I talk in reverse. See, I did it just then, and if it's, you play the tape forward, Skitties, you'll be able to hear. Well, it's not I, a prayer to Satan, but it's a prayer to someone special. Oh, see, that's nice. That's that's a nice way to start the show. It is. It always is. Yep. Nice. Where's there? Natas. 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 Now that's. Uh, <laughs> That's, that's, that's probably enough because people are going to get confused and then not know if this bit is forwards or backwards. Exactly. In the digital age, what is backwards? <laughs> it's so hard to tell these days. It's great to be here with the Dig- box cutters. Digital and analog, they both have their hair long. Oh. Wearing dresses. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. That's the thing. In this episode of Box Cutters, not only do we have Tim Ferguson, Brett Cropley, mm. we also have, hopefully, Tony Martin calling in. Now, this isn't your yeah, Reverend Bob Tony Martin. Oh, not, not uh, the. the uh, not Wild It seems that he's Tony been Martin. locked into uh, uh, the character of a cop. A, yeah, not, a, and a dirty cop. Not that. that not that Tony Martin. Also, uh, not the Tony Martin from Blue Murder. Because uh, they're all the same person. Yes. Yes. Instead, it's the Tony Martin from The Degeneration. From uh, from uh, Tom and the Fat Man, from Get This, from uh, a whole bunch of stuff on TV that you might have seen. Director of, uh, of of films and television, and he's got a show called A Quiet Word with Tony Martin. Yes, he's going to be talking about that Bad later ex. on in the show. Martin Malloy, yeah, that was huge. Yeah, which one was he? Uh, he was the skinny the, one. The skinny one. The, the skinny. Okay, okay, with the Kiwi accent. <laughs> Uh, and also, hopefully, Tom Elliott coming into the show. I I think we can bank on Tom Elliott being here. Hey, nice. Yep. Nice work yep. with the yep. bank Yep. and Tom Elliott because he works in finance. Yes, yes. There's many, so, many uh, shareholding shenanigans going on in the Australian so, <laughs> TV industry at the moment. And uh, there's, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm a crank. I'm not sure if I'm looking at at this and seeing too many conspiracies or but I want to explore that with Tom because you're not a very cynical person <laughs> generally you're you're not cynical I'm, I'm just wondering what anti-competitive reason the the particular one that uh, that pack is going for uh, with that little play there uh, I, I'm just not sure which one it is well obviously Tom's, it's one of them Tom's gonna let us know yeah. Tom's gonna let us know later on in the show as well there'll be pork with uh, Toby Halligan's trotters I'm sticking with that 
Mm-hmm. Sticking with that now. And uh, and some letters to box cutters. One thing, as always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. Last week we spoke briefly about the upcoming Australian version of The Amazing Race, Brett. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you said that you'd heard that Shane Warne was going to be hosting. Yes. Yeah. Clearly I was wrong. Well, yeah, I know I know where you went wrong, though. You understand because why? I understand I, exactly why you went something? Because there is, it is a bowler who will be uh, hosting uh, The Amazing Race Australia. Grant Bowler will yes. be hosting The Amazing Race Australia. Huh? Huh? Come on. No, it's, huh? That's great. Give it to me. Come on. Oh, there you go. Careful, careful. There it is. Thanks. That was, thanks. That was brilliant. <laughs> thanks, Toby. Thanks. Now, we had, so. have we had confirmation that it's not... Uh, you remember how Race Around the World on the ABC started out with people going around the world and sending their, their documentary bits back to, to Australia with the edit points and, and all that sort of stuff. But then after a couple of seasons, it became Race Around the Corner. Yes. Is it going to be well, Race Around the... Okay, with... Um, with Asian race, yep. they went mostly around Asia, but also went to New Zealand and Australia. Uh, and then in the second series, which after they realised that the first series was so popular, in the second series, they uh, started going further afield into Europe. But uh, So they got a bit more budget. A little bit more budget, but mostly it's around, uh, it, it was around uh, Asia. And there's a lot of diversity through Asia. Well, the problem though with with yeah. just going around with just going around Asia is that if you if you're taking contestants from all around Asia, when they get to their home country, they've got an advantage. Mm-hmm. So even though they can only speak English to each other and to the camera, if you can speak the language of the country that you're in when you need to speak to a taxi driver or something, you, you've obviously got an advantage there. Yep. Uh, in Australia, of course, that's not going to. Uh, you know, they, they apparently speak exactly the same language in Adelaide as they do in Victoria. Uh-huh. That's yeah, my that's, understanding. That's Tim's you true. better not go saying that in parts of Adelaide, they kill you. Re- really? Oh, you end up in a barrel in Snowden if you push your luck with that sort of thing. What? They're just like us. And in fact, I'm a little bit offended about that, Josh. You're saying people in Adelaide talk like us. That's what I've heard. This is they, outrageous. I mean, they, they speak the toured- same language. You've toured the country. I speak the same language when I dance, Brett, but <laughs> certainly not when I talk. Adelaide has a weird accent. They sound, they go, they talk like that. You know, I'm going to kill you. My dog's going to eat your brains, but um, and then I'm going to drive all over your dead body. And um, they don't say um. If they went um, it'd be tougher. But they go, yes, I'm going to smash your face in, and um, it's weird. It's it's very strange. And they don't go to the pool. They go to pool, and it's cool. And they go to school. They do not speak yes. the same language. Yes. They speak the language of flannelette, whereas we speak the language of black self. Have you be- ever been in the milk bar in Adelaide? Yes. No, no you haven't? I have. No. You've been in the deli. Oh, a dairy. No, dairy. Isn't it dairy? That's no, the deli. The deli, that's true. Oh. In fact, I went to a milk bar, but uh, there was loud music playing, a lot of guys... With big moustaches <laughs> dancing. I don't think that was a deli. <laughs> Although, when I think about the things that were in the window. But go on, Josh. Um, so, Grant, Grant Bowler is going to be Australian Phil. And 
I think it's great. He's going to be able to bring a lot of his experience as a medical evacuation specialist and <laughs> a Navy sea boat captain. He's, uh, he's going to be, be able to bring all of that to the race. Production mm-hmm. started last week, so hopefully information will leak out this week about whether or not they've left Australia yet. Apparently Hopefully. those NDAs are work wonders, though. Oh, yeah, NDAs are, are amazing. It's, I, I, knew, I, I knew a guy who was on... Uh, remember that show on ABC uh, about public speaking? Like yeah. competitive public yeah, speaking? Yeah, yeah. He To this day, he won't tell me whether or not he's won. Tell me about it. I know. So I think it was called um, The Oz Game. Uh, Strictly Come Speaking. Ah, right. Or oh, Celebrity a, Come Speaking. It's a different show, I think. I think... Anyway. And the in-jokes are flying thick and fast here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Even I'm confused, but hold on to your radio. There's more. Uh, also, while we're talking about sports personalities, Shane Warne. Let's go yes. back to, to, to that. Oh, uh, what is Warney doing? I'm sure I, I saw his name on something. Texting. Okay. His hair. That's easy joke. I'm sorry. Soft target. Soft target. Uh, the ABC announced a new show based on Speaks and Specs about sport... Okay. It's called The Trophy Room. It's going to be hosted by uh, Channel 7's very successful The Bounce star, Peter Hellier. Oh, oh that's good news. I, I guess it's terrific. And he loves all that sports stuff. I know. I know he does. But haven't we seen this show before? Haven't we seen the, the ABC sports quiz? Yes, it was called The Fat. Oh, that's yes, right. but it, it's always about or, what's happening now, this week's game and that week's match and what the hell was he doing with that dog anyway. It's, it's about the... Being topical, the, the format's immaterial. Particularly if you've got Pete at the helm, he'll you know he'll make us all chuckle and laugh and do all that stuff. Has he got has he got the same uh, general likability as Adam Hills? Do you think? Oh, he's got likability in spades. Who would fit- at Channel Nine? They don't call it likability; they call it some other ability. But he's <laughs> he's got both. He's got ability. That's for sure. And you can he can make ability. his own movies. Who's um? Yes. Who would win in a fight? Between uh, Adam Hills and Peter Hellier. Oh, Peter Hellier. Right. Easy, 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 because Adam's too nice. But it wouldn't Adam be a situation like, like the wrestlers when they had the cast on their arms and they'd use that for the clothesline. Wouldn't he just grab his, his, his leg, leg and, and, and use that as a club? Yeah, but then it's also really easy to push him over. He's pretty yeah. quick on the hop, though. Adam's pretty quick <laughs> on the hop. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> he is, he is actually. Uh, so... Yeah, I don't, I, it does seem to me like we've seen that show. I actually think someone's tried to do it's, a it's sports sad, isn't it? specs before. Uh, well, what was Ando's show called on SBS? With, oh, with the, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> the that was it. The testicle on the scoreboard. That was it. That was it. It was uh, it was Ando doing uh, the Sydney sports uh, quiz show. Yeah, but yeah. there is only one television format for that. You can jiggle with it. But people won't want to watch. But the only way to do it is to have a monkey in the middle, some monkeys on the left, some monkeys on the right, and you throw a ball around and someone, you know, cracks a joke about what that dog did. And only in NRL the next thing. And we'll take a break. That's the only <laughs> show that works. All the other sports chat shows, unless a man is wearing a dress, cannot rate. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I guarantee, I guarantee if this show continues on, at some point, there will be a man wearing a dress. Mm. It's oh, the, I see how you're glossing over what's going on. That's definitely one of the Ten Commandments of television. Yes. <laughs> like you're coming down from the mountain. Yes. If there's not a man wearing a dress and it's about football. 
Although that's it's just so that the audience can relate to it because they're all conflicted as far as their sexuality goes, but it, they've all got to hide that they have any that they that, that they're even vaguely bicurious. It doesn't have to always be addressed. Like for example, one episode of the Footy Show I saw with Sam Newman, a guy came in like made up as the Hulk and <laughs> kind of leg humped Sam Newman and did a variety of challenges and failed to do the challenges and it was captivating. Hulk was, hump, Hulk <laughs> hump. Oh no, Newman! <laughs> thump, 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 thump. Exactly. Brett Cropley, you've uh, you've you've got some uh, more yeah, information we, about BBC. We never really covered on uh, the Stig and the unmasking of uh, Stig Mark Two. Uh, from Top Gear in the UK. It was uh, Ben Collins, it was revealed. And uh, the BBC he used to, in the he used UK... To call the, uh, he used to call the horse racing uh, in Australia. Ben Collins, no, that was a different... That was Bill Collins. <laughs> no, he used to host the, uh, the movies on Channel 10. Also Bill Collins, different one though. Uh, He's also still on uh, Foxtel. No, he used to... Uh, he was the guy in Stripes. He was the other half of Martin Malloy. Oh, was Bill Collins. Yeah. That was him. And he was also the Stig. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, well, the BBC tried to uh, to stop him revealing his identity uh, to the world uh, because it had been a tightly guarded secret and uh, previously they actually had to kill the, the, uh, the Stig Mark I by driving him off an airplane, aircraft carrier. I don't think that's true. Yeah, that's, that's what happened. You, they oh, showed it in, in the, the show. Sh- in, the, in the show, that's what they did. Yes, right. yes. The, the black clad Steve. Right. Um, the BBC failed in its uh, its efforts to do that at the time, and all was revealed that it was Ben Collins, and uh, he also announced at the same time that he would be going to, I believe it was Channel 5 in the UK, uh, to do another uh, motoring show, uh, which has come along. Well, the BBC have decided that uh, he got off a bit lightly and are... Uh, uh, Pursuing a case against Collins for breach of contracts, claiming that his contract stipulated that his identity must remain a secret and uh, he broke it. Mm. So if he takes a bullet for this, and you can tell I'm leading up to a very bad joke, can't you? If he takes a bullet for this and and goes down, does he become a stigmata? Uh, no, you need nails, I think, I believe, for stigmatas. Man, um, that's a powerful piece of humour walking <laughs> in the door. There's, there's I told you it was bad. It's, I, I do but love I the Australian But version. I couldn't let it go. I love the Australian uh, show hosted Australian by Top Shane Gear. Jacobson. Great Top Gear. I think they've you know, got all the cars. They've got Shane Jacobson, the most enthusiastic car fetishist in the entire <laughs> Western world. Got great graphics, good production. I don't even drive. I don't even have a license, and I can sit and watch that show. Have you been a fan of Top Gear over the years? I, like, I, I kind of like the English one. Yep, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I am so not into motoring. Not, not an enthusiast of cars at all. They're, they're purely a tool to get from point A to point B. But the, the chemistry between the three of them on, on the UK Top Gear and, and the entertainment value purely uh, was actually made it compelling for me to watch. Oh, yeah, brilliant shows. They're um, very well done. Whereas uh, when SBS kind of came in with the Australian Top Gear first up, it was too much just about the cars and, and with these, these vacant spaces where the personalities should have been. I haven't watched the Australian Top Gear. Uh, I haven't seen it on Channel 9, 9 as yet. It's on Channel 9. Uh, the Australian Stig has uh, ha- has that going. 
Uh, I don't is, think anybody knows who he is. Oh, no, 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 actually, no. But, 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 but like, it was the Sixty that came out for the first. Does it make one? any bloody difference? Is is my is where I'm going with this? Does it make any difference at all who the Stig is? I think it's Tony Barber. There are rumours going around it's Tony Barber. Mm. Well, you know, Glenn Ridge hosted a, a motoring show for some time. Glenn Ridge, Glenn yeah. Ridge loves a car. Yes, yes loves a car does. almost as much as he loves Shane Jacobson. Uh huh. I, no, hang on. I, I hadn't heard the connection between the two of them. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the it doesn't really matter as long as it's a proficient driver. Anybody can be the stick. Well, this is this is my point. Oh, so it's, just, why? it's purely about keeping the secret of a running joke, much like the secret of a magic trick. I've kept a lot of my jokes perfect secrets for many <laughs> Never told years. Anybody, but if the BBC had wanted Stig to, you know, keep his identity secret, they could have just put him on SBS two, just sent him straight down. <laughs> Why sign him to a contract? Ah, <laughs> oh, well played. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yes. Oh, goal for that one. <sighs> Says the crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, the mood is electric in here, and it's particularly strange because there's a woman sitting in the corner who doesn't speak. What's she there for? Uh, she's uh, just... You know what? Every it's now like and then, it's like candy for the video podcast. There is, a, there is a video podcast. Ah, but every, every now and then, people think that the show gets a little bit too uh, man centric. Uh, I too, can't believe too that. much te- too much testosterone in the room. I cannot believe that. So every now and then, we just call. Uh, there's nothing I can do with that joke, really. Nothing I can do with that joke that isn't horribly offensive. To who? To everyone. Type louder, Toby. <laughs> Type louder, and that. Is the box cutters news? Hello, hi. What are you doing? What a wonderful day! Time to get box cutting, everyone. Let's podcast! Hurrah! Tony Martin's been living in Australia for long enough that if he won an Oscar, we would call him our own. Uh, c- coming to my attention as the fat man on Degeneration's breakfast radio show, he stood out as part of that troupe in the uh, Degeneration Channel Seven specials and the much lauded. Late Show on ABC. He personally knew fictional television pioneer Roy Smeck, and he recently met Carrie Fisher. Welcome to the Box Cutters Telephone, Tony Martin. Good evening. Thanks, uh, thanks, thanks so much for, for joining us. Now, let's start with uh, your show, A Quiet Word with Tony... No, Tony Martin has A Quiet Word no, with I'm Carrie Fisher. Do, I will do a split-screen one where I talk to myself for half an hour. Well, that, that, that would be like the, uh, like the uh, Stop Making Sense uh, extra. Really? Uh, yeah, 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 where... Uh, 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 oh, actually, right, yeah. David Byrne interviews himself. That's right. Well, it would be like... It would be similarly geekular. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd 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 watch that, and if you could get uh, uh, if you could get some big famous New York director, oh yeah, I'll to... get uh, I don't know Nick Cassavetes. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice choice. But then I'd sack him and bring in uh, the late John Frankenheimer, Doctor Moreau style. Oh, that's that's also good. Then I could just have a dwarf with a nice bucket on its head for no reason. That would work. That would work very well, and a cat lady. Sure. A special, a special cat lady that would work nicely. That signature Frankenheimer touch. Because <laughs> he also he also had one of those in uh, uh, in the French Connection too. I was watching uh, the commentary track on Seconds, John Frankenheimer's Seconds, and that's the uh, the worst film from uh, at the box office of the entire 1960s major studio film. And he said that on the commentary track, he said the day it opened, he called up his local cinema and said, where is Seconds? Have you got Seconds playing? And they've gone, yeah, it's on. 
And he's gone, what time does it start? And the guy goes, what time can you get here? <laughs> Steven Soderbergh was about to remake that a couple of years ago. That would have been, I'm sure the, exactly the same thing would have happened. <laughs> and, and of course you have a copy of it. Yeah, it's, it's only Region 1 DVD, but Seconds is pretty good. I used to have that on Laserdisc. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask. I did, yeah. So, so in, in my mind, Tony, with, uh, with a, a quiet word, because you're Tony freaking Martin, do you just like have, have to go to Amanda Duffy and say, uh, I want to do a show where I interview people and the show only appears occasionally uh, at a late night slot and uh, I just want to do it with people I'm interested in? And she says, well, here's two cameras and an edit suite. Off you go. Well, yeah, well, no, it was very... Um, well, see, the last regular series I was on was the Mick Malloy show in 1999, so I don't have a really great track record. In television, but like I did a uh, one of those with what is it called one on one on Art Sunday. Oh yeah, and I had to interview. Uh, well, no, you meant to talk to each other. It's not meant to be an interview. You talk to Robert. I was chosen to talk to Robert McKee because we're so similar. Judith Lucy was talking to Janine Garofalo. That makes sense to me. Why I was talking to a grumpy. 70-year-old Hemingway-esque script guru. Well, because he loves he loves uh, Casablanca and you've seen films that are... Yeah. You know, uh, you've seen other films. He couldn't work out why I was talking all the time. <laughs> but, um, but it did sort of work. When they cut it together, it went quite well. And I remember we shot like nearly oh, 45 minutes and they cut it down to 11 minutes. I remember thinking, actually, you could probably have got 26 minutes out of that. So that's what we're doing with this show. It's on no biggest... I just said we'll do it exactly the same way that thing was shot. So we're in the same bar with the same cameras and the same lights and the same five-man crew. Where is that bar and why haven't they stopped people walking behind you guys? It's in the Park Hyatt. It's just in the Hyatt, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, there's no set... There's, you know, the, the opening titles are just whatever font isn't too ba- isn't Comic Sans from <laughs> what comes with Final Cut. I mean, it's really, it's the cheapest show on the ABC, so that's what appealed to it. And cause it's I was wondering game. about the font, and that really explains it. <laughs> yeah, there's only two half-decent fonts in all of Final Cut Pro, which has terrible, I shouldn't, this is probably defamatory, I don't is it? Can't you just no, go with no, a regular it's, Helvetica? It's opinion. There's it's no, opinion. Helvetica, I don't think it's Helvetica, it's something else, you know, where it's a pretend Helvetica, because they haven't got the rights to real Helvetica. Anyway, we've, that's the scale of the production, so... And in Artscape, you can just, you know, you can waffle on to someone about record cupboards for quite a few minutes. It's not like, you know, Denton, where you have to be sort of asking the, the bigger questions. I no, don't know. Somehow it's ended up on. <laughs> I was I was quite impressed by your uh, your props buyer there with your box full of programs. <laughs> well, that's just mine, sadly. <laughs> that, so this this is one of the things that I I find uh, amazing about it, uh, and I've seen the I've seen the Carrie Fisher episode as as well, and things like uh, you collecting every single. Uh, flyer from every single comedy show you've ever seen and going through a project where you're watching every single episode of Saturday Night Live in order. I think well, yeah. we, we find out so much more about you <laughs> than well, about just, the guests a lot of the time. You can just be on a nerdish tangent in a way that you couldn't if, you know, you, you, it's just, it's artscape. As I keep saying, you know, when they interview a painter, they, they ask him about what paintbrushes he's using. So it's, it's, that, it's a comedy version of that. There's no real... Yeah, I like little small things, but it's 
sort of stuff you can normally only talk about on radio. Like if you have Bill Bailey, say you're Andrew Denton and you've got Bill Bailey, you've got him for 12 minutes. You can't spend three minutes talking about Rick Wakeman album covers. Every question has to be, how did you get into comedy? How did Black Books get started? You know, what's your philosophy on this? You can't go off on a waffly tangent, but in 26 minutes, you can. You can waste eight minutes of that just talking about why there are so many Andre Rue DVDs. And with Denton, uh, he always had to waste five minutes making them cry in the midway point. <laughs> well, see, but he's interested in, whole, you know, everything. <laughs> I'm just interested in a very narrow range of subjects. Or at least they're the only subjects that I could be on TV and sound like an expert on. And, I don't and want to always be looking at my notes going, so then you... You know, I'm trying to do it without any notes. So that's why it goes all over the shop. But it's that kind, of, kind of that old thing about, you know, if you're doing a radio show, play the music that you like, and there are people out there that, that have that same taste as you. I, I think there's definitely uh, enough of the same type of people as, as you, Tony Martin, that, uh, that are really compelled to watch your show. Well, we did one with Reese Darby, and that's, uh, we did that a while back when I was just editing it last night, and that goes off on, like, we recorded for an hour, and there were quite a lot of big subjects broached. But in the end, I've just left in uh, about three minutes where we're just talking about that photo of the Loch Ness Monster that was clearly just someone's hand. <laughs> Remember that photo? Yeah. And, and so we talk about that for about three minutes. You know, you don't, you know, that's the stuff I've left in. I've cut in a whole huge bit about one of his first live shows. So I don't know, you're trying to get a mix of, different subjects in there those programs that you were talking about the the thing with that was that we can't even afford to hold up to show a photo on the show we we were trying to have clips originally that way you'll never be able to afford clips and then i said we're gonna have a no can't even have a photo but i can hold up a program from a box (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i don't know when you uh when you first came to this country tony but uh, did you ever see Ivan Hutchinson's Face to Face? No, I came here in 85, so no. Right, right, I don't. Did, Wasn't he on two? Well, he did a show with Jim Murphy, didn't he? Two on the aisle. Oh. And then I, I read somewhere recently that Ivan did uh, the film reviews on Night Moves with Lee Simon. That, I would have loved to have seen that. What was I, he no, wearing? I don't, I don't think he would have done that because Night Moves was... Uh, uh, channel 10? Was Channel 10. Was it? Oh, no. Seven. no, no, Night Shift was Channel 10. Yeah, no, no. Night Shift was, was Channel 10, Night Moves was Channel 7, and yes, yes he did, that, that, would, have, that, that would have been great. Face to Face was, uh, was really just him speaking to, uh, to uh, famous Hollywood people for half an hour. Right. Uh, and as uh, you know, it's, it reminds me a lot of that because he was just a huge film fan. Well, I was quite good friends with him. I mean, I don't want to sound all name droppy, but he was. Yeah, I was quite good friends with him. Uh, if you if you can get your hands on, uh, and I think if anyone can, you can get your hands on some uh, tapes from Channel Seven for face to face. These interviews are just are just fantastic, and. Uh, and your show reminds me a lot of that. Ivan Hutchinson had the this room that I've just always wanted where he used to live in, like, Doncaster, just in a really normal-looking suburban house. And you go in and everything about it was just normal-looking, like your grandparents' house. And then he'd take you out the back and down some stairs to what looked like a huge double garage. And then you went in and it was like the back cave for film buffs. Like, every single piece of wall space was just books. There was, like, no bit of wall. It was just a slot, 
just a square where you could reach in for the light switch. And then there were two really big couches in the middle of the room, and there was like some sort of projection equipment and like musical instruments everywhere, and he would have people come around and play musical instruments or something. He would have like a little... They would all play the theme from Laura or something, and then the <laughs> film might be screened. It was just great. I used to go around there and sit there for like five hours on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, that that would be what. What happened to that room after he passed? I don't know because his his wife Grace Hutchinson. I, I think she's still getting about. I've seen her toddling about from time to time. She's hilarious. Oh, that's that's fan, that, that's a great story. That's uh, reminds me of uh, the story Brett Dreamer Pete Smith told us about. Uh, <laughs> See, now you're just mentioning all my elderly well, friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, because he he brought it. Pete Smith brought in. A, a recording that Graham Kennedy made for him in his home radio studio. Yeah, he used to send... Graham Kennedy would send, you know, a letter that was a cassette. So his letter to... Like, Pete's played me these things where Graham Kennedy sat down with a tape recorder and he's got his own theme music, right? He's sitting at his desk and he plays himself on, does a few gags and then speaks a letter to Pete. And then he'll have musical... He'll throw the songs in it. It's like a podcast. <laughs> but but for, for an audience of one or two, just for for Pete, <laughs> and he was seeing people these things all the time. Uh, do you do you ever think that you're going to uh, to end up just doing these? Because you know you, you are a man who likes to do projects. Yeah, I like projects. Um, I'm trying to think what I'm working on at the moment. Well, you're working on Judith Lucy's uh, spiritual journey. Oh, you mean in, real, in well, my no, job? No, I thought you just meant in my spare time. I don't know. I'm just listing things that I know that you're working on. In my spare time, I'm trying to write an article for my website about the film Trail of the Pink Panther, the one that was made after Peter Sellers oh, died. With all, the, with all the clips and the flashbacks. It's so bizarre that I reckon the only way I can do it is to do is to write about every single scene in order. Like, it would have to be 10,000 words, and no one would want to read it. But you watch that film, and it is so bizarre. And I saw it with an audience, and it was like we were watching a snuff movie. Isn't it, isn't it a, so a, journalist, a journalist tries to track down Clouseau? Or? It's so disturbing. He, he, he dies. Like, when the old footage runs out, he, he vanishes, and the rest of it is a is like a 90-minute wake for a, a comedy character. It's bizarre. And then you've got things in it like David Niven was so nearly dead of cancer that he couldn't speak. And so Rich Little does David Niven's <gasps> voice. It's I didn't full, know that. It's full of insane things like that. And it's a really odd thing to view. Uh, that's... That's fantastic. I can't wait for that that's article. Which, that's the sort of project I'm working on in, like, just around the house. And so, that, so that's going to appear on Scrivener's Fancy. Oh, if it ever... Get, I can't get it short enough. It's all over the shop. Well, it's your own bloody website. Make it a serial. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if it holds for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, in, in, in work, no, I'm... Yeah, I'm working on Judith Lucy's uh, spiritual journey. And yet, you're sharing direction of that with Brendan Fletcher. Yeah, he's doing most of it, I should say. It's like, it's 80% of it is a documentary, and then the rest is reenactments of Judith's life, and I'm just doing those bits. Right, because so, I, was, I was wondering how that worked. Well, I think the idea is that there's a lot of them at the beginning, and then by each episode there's less. I think the last episode, there's none of them at all, because it's, yeah, they've got a mad plan. Yeah, we'll get on them. Yeah, no, it should be good. Tony Martin, uh, Tony Martin has a quiet word with Carrie Fisher. Is on this uh, coming Tuesday night. Well, it's a podcast. You can't be. Some people it might have already been on. Uh, I've got this covered. 
I've got okay. this. I've got this covered, Tony. It is on Tuesday night at ten o five on ABC One. It's repeated on Sunday, November the fourteenth at six thirty p.m. on ABC Two, and it's also available on iView for a particular amount of time. So, uh, so people can catch it for a while, and then I'm guessing it's on at a monthly some stage, rotation, isn't it? I, look, I'm writing most of what you said down. I'm hearing much of it for the first time. <laughs> at, at some stage, uh, I'm guessing there's going to be DVDs or a book. Which, or... See, I wouldn't have thought... Who wants to really sit down and watch a DVD of some interviews? There's about a million Denton ones. But really? Would you? I don't know. With you, Tony Martin. And, there was and a lot of extras. For an I hour of Reese Darby. I'd get the, I'd get the book... If the book had the full, just a full Q&A... Well, see, it's, it's a tr- they actually mentioned that to me, but the trouble is that, like, a Denton interview is like question-answer, big topic covered. But when you see this written down, there's so many interruptions and ums and ers and r- irrelevant things. It looks quite... I don't think you'd want to watch it transcribed. As I, said, you're I, not even recording this. I can tell. The guy outside must be furious. <laughs> <laughs> No, we are, and so we should tie it up, Tony Martin. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much for joining us on Boxcutters. We would love to have you in the studio, uh, just you know, telling tales. If I survive the spiritual journey, maybe I'll be in there. That'd be lovely. We'd love to see you. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Great show. Thanks, Cheers. Tom. Hi, I'm Ryan Shelton, Boxcutters' favourite ever guest, and uh, I've really enjoyed myself on Boxcutters. So listen as much as you can, because um, I'll be having it on loop on my iPod. Now, Tim, I'm not sure if you're aware, but last week Brett and I were talking about the Packers and the Murdochs and how they're purchasing parts of Channel 10, and I thought at the time that there was only one person who could adequately explain what it would mean for Australian TV. And I thought, Josh, that it was ridiculous for you to even try to get Ben Bernanke, the chairman of the US Federal Reserve, when our own Tom Elliott could do a much better job. Which explains why he's sitting right next to me. <laughs> exactly. Tom Elliott, welcome to Boxcutters. Hey, what an outbreak of spontaneity. <laughs> Did you read that? Hey. Hey. Uh, that was nice. hilarious. <laughs> well, I guess if you wrote it, you might think that. Uh, uh, Tom, you know, uh, often we have you on the show and I'll start an introduction and it'll start in Brunswick where we're recording, but by the end of the introduction it's all the way over in Frankston. We don't know what's going on. It is so, indeed. So I thought I would script it as tightly as possible, and then we would all read it out as stilted as possible. What's well, going on, Tom? What's happening with, uh, you know, Mr. Packer and Mr. Murdoch? What are they doing? What are they doing to our TV stations? You know, it's, um, you start feeling a bit old that when you say Mr. Packer and Mr. Murdoch, you realise you're talking you still about thinking about Frank? the next generation. It's not, it's not Rupert and, um, Kerry. and Kerry now. Kezza. It's mm. um but you know, um Kerry Stokes was always known as Little Kerry. Ah. Compared to Big Kerry, Kerry Packer. And Kerry Stokes was not that upset when Big Kerry, Kerry Packer died because now Little Kerry has become Big Kerry, but at the same time, Jamie has become, let's face it, very big James. And Lachlan is uh sort of lurking away in the background and they've formed the unholy alliance that led everybody down the troubled path that was one tell a decade mm. ago. And here they are back again. Uh, is that still in the courts? The one tell stuff. It's still there's still an, just there's a few more months to to go with that. I mean, look, I, I don't think anything's going to change, and there's no there's no great sums of money going to change hands. But it, it is a an unfortunate reminder of the past, 
And um, I, I knew some of the people involved in Onetel, and it was, you know, look, to be honest, you know, Packy didn't do anything bad. He just said, look, we've looked at this, and it, it isn't that great. We don't want to stick any more money in. And for that, he's being hauled through the courts a decade later. But here are him and Lachlan uh, deciding to have a crack at Channel 10. Yeah. Now, does that have 10 shareholders quaking in their boots, given the history that these two have together? Oh, no, I don't think it should. I mean, look, in America they say you haven't, you know, you're not a true entrepreneur until you've been bankrupt at least twice. Mm-hmm. And um, I, look, both those guys have learnt a lot from the Wantel debacle. Since then, um, Lachlan Murdoch has sort of gone his own way with his private investment company, Illyria, I think it's called. And he owns, um, I think, half of the DMG network in Australia, which is Nova. Oh, wow. And whatever Vega is now called. Classic FM, I think. uh, Classic (laughs) Rock. It'd be quite a thing to be asked to be on that these days. But um, anyway, so he well, owns... He because owns they have that. absolutely nobody on air mm. on Classic... Uh, well, that's right, there are no hosts, yeah. no hosts. So, so Lachlan Murdoch's cutting his teeth in commercial FM radio. Although I might say I think he's made a catastrophic miscalculation there because well, a lot of people don't realise, if you go and buy yourself a digital radio, and of course we're in the studios at 3RRR and 3RRR is yet to go fully digital. Oh, we're on the verge of it. On the verge uh, but digital will have an amazing impact on AM radio because it will make AM almost to the level that FM is. And so the difference in the value of an FM licence versus an AM licence is going to change quite dramatically. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so that's just something for the uh, the pundits to have a look at. Anyway, so what's happening is James Packer has bought 18% of uh, Channel 10. Now, is that his limit uh, legally? No, he can go up to 199 and then he can creep every six months by three more percent. And he recently did that with Crown. He had 40% and he crept up to 43 And this is a tactic that Kerry Stokes back at Channel 7 has used his advantage. Stokes originally bought 20% of 7 and has ended up with half of it just by creeping, 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 doing share buybacks. So every six mm-hmm. months you can buy three more percent of the company without making a full takeover. There's, there's, there's something I don't understand here because he's bought 18% of... Uh, 10 network holdings, mm. and he's going to then sell them to Lachlan Murdoch. Oh, he's going to sell half of them well, he might. to Lachlan Murdoch. He might. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just say, Lachlan, if you buy 18, 18% as well, then uh, then we'll have 36% and we'll have as many seats on the board as we want? Well, herein lies the problem. In, under the corporation's law, if you're seen to be associates, you can't have more than collectively 20% anyway. So, for example, Perpetual, which is the investment company, I think owns around 12% of Channel 10. Some people think that it is in league with James Packer. And so Perpetual and Packer are going to great lengths to be, not be seen together at the moment. So, I don't know, so, which so is plausible deniability. Plausible deniability. Um, and also uh, the guy, uh, Bruce Gordon, who owns WinTV, owns, I think, 13% of Channel 10 as well. And he's, he's just gotten a seat on the board yes. as well. And he's also saying, oh, no, James, I, I'm, he and I aren't friends and we've got nothing to do with each other, which is complete crap. But um, So it, it's quite clear that James and Lachlan are allies. So Lachlan can't now go and buy a separate stake in Tim because he will be seen as an associate of James Packers and thereby they'll have more than 20%. So what he wants to do is come through Packers' investment vehicle and say, I will fund half your purchase. And what's interesting is that uh, Packer paid around, uh, what was $1.50 or no, $1.60 I think for Channel 10, but he's got an 11-cent dividend since then. He now wants to sell half of what he bought to, to, to Murdoch at a profit. 
But the share price has actually slipped a little bit since then. Without so the dividend. Of, and without the dividend. So he's saying to Lachlan, look, you've got to give me a buck seventy so I can show an immediate gain. And he, So Lachlan hasn't actually bought a stake in the company yet, and yet, curiously, Channel 10 has already offered him a board seat if he wants it. So, so what happens is, is you can't buy more than 20% without making a full takeover bid, or you can buy 3% every six months. Now, uh, Nick Fallon, who is the outgoing... Uh, Chairman yes. of, of the board of uh, of Ten Network Holdings, uh, he was. It was rumored that he was going to privatise the yes. uh, the the whole network, and so this is the uh, the theory is, is this is what instigated James to to act as quickly as he has acted. Mm. Uh, what would privatising the network actually mean for for the network itself? Well, I mean, we've already seen it twice, basically. Both Nine and Seven have been effectively privatised. Like the entity that has listed Seven Network Holdings is just a holding company for a proportion of the, the network that is Channel 7. The rest mm. of it's owned by private equity. Channel 9 is 99.9% owned by private equity. James Packer has a, a tiny percentage left, but, but nothing of any substance. So we've already seen two networks effectively be privatised. Had Nick Falloon, as per the rumour, uh, taken over Channel 10, well, it just would have been the third one to fall. So it doesn't necessarily change things from a from a programming perspective. But the the thing I'd say is that there's several theories. There's, there's actually four theories as to why Packer has made this move on uh, on Channel 10. Now, the first is that he wanted to stop Nick Falloon doing it, mm-hmm. and he had a big um, falling out with Nick Falloon some years ago. <clears throat> the second one is that he feels that Ten is doing the wrong thing with its sport with One HD, and he wants to uh, rejig that. They're, they're spending thirty million bucks a year on One HD, and it's not pulling in anything like that in advertising revenue. And what he sees is the big advantage is his quarter share of Foxtel and a shareholding in Ten could bid together for the next round of AFL rights, which is I think at the end of the end of next season, or might even be early next year. And and cut Channel 7 out of the whole And equation. cut Channel 7 out of the loop. And again, we've, there's been examples in the past. I mean, 7 and 10 have bid together for the AFL, for the previous lot of AFL yep. rights. Um, the third and only to get screwed over by Kerry in, in exactly. one of his last acts. So. Yeah, that's right. The, the third theory is, um, is that he, he, 10 is going down a certain path with news and current affairs. They're going to create a sort of a... Uh, a younger person's channel, a sports channel, and have them leave the main channel with news and current affairs from five right through to about eight o'clock at night, mm-hmm. which some people say is too much. You've got the ABC has now got a 24-hour news channel. They've hired George Negus to host um, a new, more serious current affairs type program on between 6 and 6.30. Packer apparently wants to scrap all that, mm. except Negus has already been contracted. So we'll see. So, so would Negus um, have been on a big contract? Like, oh, is, that, is that actually a consideration? I don't know because I mean you know it's still it, Channel Ten. He's been at, well, no, but he's been at SBS for a while, and they don't pay so much money. So the theories are he wanted to upset Nick Falloon. He wants to rejig sport. He wants to go against what Ten plans to do with news and current affairs. But the fourth theory and the one that and I th- is is there any uh, validity to to the uh, the theories behind that as uh, kind of stopping the competition up against Sky News? Oh well. Maybe, but that's a possibility. I mean, that, that's tied up with the whole news and current affairs thing. Yeah. But the fourth theory, and the one that I actually think is, is the main one, and it's not one that the media is paying much attention to, is that, remember, Packer's major economic interest is in Crown Holdings. As I mentioned, he now owns 43%. So it owns the Melbourne Casino, it owns the Burswood Casino in Western Australia, and it's got all these interests in Macau. Now, 
in a, in a separate but related matter, Tabcorp is demerging its casino business from what they call its wagering business, which is punting on the horses. Now, many people, myself included, think that once that demerger occurs within the next six months, Packer through Crown will make a bid for Tabcorp's two casinos, which are the Sydney and Brisbane casinos. Uh-huh. That way he would own West or Perth, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. The only one left is Adelaide and, of course, the, um, the great casino in Australia, the one down in um, Hobart. So the, the uh, Rest Point? Rest Point, that's right. Um, so would that also include all the pokies? Uh, is, is it would include casino pokies. Remember, Tab Corp has lost its pokey licence as of 2012. But the point is, and I've, I've had a senior industry figure explain this, Packer has realised since giving up Channel 9, since selling it, that he needs a bit more political influence, a bit of clout in the media. If his real interests are to dominate casino uh, holdings in Australia, you know, four major casinos, each one of which is a monopoly in its respective city, he needs some sort of media control to argue his point. And remember, Tabcorp mm-hmm. doesn't have that, neither does Tattersalls, and they lost their pokies duopoly here in Victoria just uh, just over a year ago. But hang about. Like, you know, you, you hear anybody that, uh, that's an editor uh, or, or works for News Limited, and, and they're all adamant that uh, oh, it's all that independent. Murdoch's yes. got, got no influence no. over what they cover. And yet Rupert Murdoch manages to do everything that he's ever wanted to do ever in the history of the world. All, all I can tell you is it's a plausible theory. I, I can't say who I've spoken to, but I've spoken to some senior figures in the industry who say that the the thing that Kerry Packer understood well is that if you want to have gambling interests, that's great. It helps to have media interests just to remind the politicians what you can do. It doesn't mean mm. that every day you're down there, you know, banging the drum, writing the editorials, or you know, telling the um, the, the talkback show host or whatever form of media it is what to say. But it just makes politicians think twice, and I reckon that's what James Packer's doing. And generally, and, and we saw it quite quite obviously with Howard uh, coming up to a couple of elections, they will. It, it's like pork barreling to your to your marginal seats. Uh, they they would uh, put out. Uh, like dropping cross-media ownership uh, or relaxing the regulations right. there right. as they were coming up to an election, which, you know, you've got to question if that played a, a large part about or the media giving, going soft on Howard. Or or, uh, or Senator Conroy giving uh, free licences to everyone who comes up to the door. Exactly. Kerry Stokes took him skiing for, for a oh, week oh, before oh, the Winter Olympics. Oh, I don't think we can say that for sure. I and mean, they before were both, you know it, They were both in Colorado at the same time. He's handing over $250 million in uh, you know, licence fees that the, the free-to-air networks don't have to pay. Anyway, it's just a theory. It's a very and plausible this, theory. It, and there's probably a combination. I mean, Packer, if he invests in something, likes to see it make money. So if, if cutting back on news and uh, cutting back on unnecessary sport and maybe using it as a vehicle to build uh, to bid for the AFL rights works for him, he'll do that. But, but he wouldn't be getting into Channel 10 just because he can't stand to see what 1HD no, are doing. No, no, it, exactly. That's, that's, a, that's a tactical issue. His strategy, I believe, is, as I said, just to remind people he's still a player in the media and he wants to uh, dominate uh, casinos in Australia. So there's there's also been whispers there about uh, maybe having Sky News content on one of the Channel 10 multi-channels. Yeah, that's possible. But again, that's not a... You know, that's not a uh, like a, a massive strategic issue in well, itself. Well, something that, that that occurred to me last night that concerns me greatly is that he rolls that into free to air, and 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 you know 
considering Lockie Murdoch's uh, involvement there, are they actually looking to create a Fox News for Australia? And, oh, quite and, possibly. And to dominate, like we've seen mm. what it what it's done to politics in the US. Well, it's made it interesting, Brett, you know. Yeah. <sighs> It's really twenty percent of the, the of the electorate think that uh, Barack Obama's Brett. actually a Muslim. No, no, but Brett, Bob, this think, is this is what Fox think, News is responsible for. Glenn think, Beck, what's his middle name? Hussein. It doesn't Brett, mean he's a Muslim. <laughs> I think Australia could do with a little bit more fear, and uh, and and that's exactly what you're talking about I, would bring about. It's, that's fine. I I, I don't think I, I think that's worrying about things too much. I think. He wants to get the network on a firm um, financial footing. Oh, I've declared it here. That, and I think he just wants to have influence over the politicians. And I still think his real goal for making money is through gambling and casinos, not through media. Tom Elliott, you've given us a lot to think about. Thanks so much for coming in and explaining it all to us. Pleasure. Yet again. Hi, I'm really lucky to be the guest of these funny, gorgeous, hunky, sparkly, shiny, wonderful... Man, this is Elmo and Abby Kadabi. This is Elmo and Abby Kadabi, and you're listening to Box Cutters. Hey, Brett, I I thought I might do this introduction as kind of a, a late night talk show host. Uh, okay, try okay. it. A uh, few people might remember our guest co-host as one of the members of the Doug Anthony All Stars. <laughs> Others. <laughs> Sorry. I thought we needed a yeah, bit of Paul Schaefer yeah, that's, that's there. Nice. That's nice. I, I like that. Others, uh, when, when he was a guest on Box Cutters episode 125 in March of 2008, but everyone remembers him as the contender for the federal seat of Kuyong in the 1990 election. Now he brings all of that experience to a new show on Channel 31 in a show called With Tim Ferguson. It's Tim Ferguson. Nice, Tim. I, Tim, welcome. Welcome to the. Uh, I wish we had a studio audience now because that would have just been perfect. Oh man, we do have a studio audience. We've got Deborah sitting in the corner, refusing to speak. But it is great to be here. Great to be here amongst the box cutters, which is a metaphor for, for what? Uh, dissecting no. television. Oh, right. It's got Cutting commentary with, about with the 9/11 box. Or no, no, and uh, and and nothing to do with the Stanley Company. Uh, nothing to do with with any of that. Stanley uh, Company, who have such excellent products, notice the plug there. Yeah, yeah. They don't give us money. No, they don't. I wish they did, because then we'd get money. This is Whisper Radio. It's a whole new thing. <laughs> if we do it this way, they can't hear us. Tim. Uh, now, what, what I didn't realise when, when you were coming in today, because we all, we all know about uh, with Tim Ferguson, the Channel 31 show, Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock, uh, where you basically talk about the world in half an hour. I give, uh, I give you the world in half an hour. I like that. <laughs> I like that. It's convenient. Oh, it's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but what I reckon is the truth. It goes straight down the line. It's not left wing, not right wing. It is right bang down the center of the political spectrum, the common sense dead center. If anyone is closer to the center than me, I will move, I swear. Which, uh, which, which brings me to, to this point, because I, I didn't realize when you were coming in uh, that, uh, that you've recently written a book called Left, Right and Centre, uh, about politics. That's right, I did. 
And it was. <laughs> That's it not was, what I was meant to say. It was a book that ends with a nuclear explosion, which just shows that, uh, you know, I'm a guy. <laughs> going to go to all the trouble of writing a book. You want to have a nuke go off at the end of it. It solves a lot of storylines. But you've also written a more recent book that people will actually be able to buy called The Cheeky Monkey. The Cheeky uh, Monkey. Which is all about... Writing for for television, writing comedy for television is that? Yeah, how to write uh, how to write sitcoms, how to write comedy. How, you can learn how to write stand up, I suppose. It breaks down all these gags. I talk about the principles of comedy. So there are no formulas in it, tragically, because as you guys know, there are no formulas for writing comedy. Because well, outside of the knowledge that the punchline comes last, nothing else is really going to help you. Last. Yeah. Right. That's where I've been going wrong. Brent. Yeah, don't overthink it and yeah. do the punchline first or say the punchline first because you're worried you'll forget it. Always do the punchline last. But but, but in, in that film Farlap, they had the punchline at the beginning and then they kept on... Oh, that wasn't a joke. Flashing back. No, that wasn't a joke. Yeah, that oh. wasn't. That was a serious film about a horse. It wasn't a puppet, Brett. No, I, I realised it wasn't a puppet. It was a dead horse there. In, that, in jockey the was, that jockey was a real horse. Apparently poisoned, as we thought at that point. Uh, <laughs> so why, why write a book about writing comedy? Like, wouldn't you, it, it, Aren't these the secrets that comedians are supposed to teach to their greys? I'm not going to tell you how to write a joke. Oh, look, comedians would like to think that nobody knows how to write a joke, but everybody knows how to write jokes. Uh, all I can do when I talk about comedy is highlight something that people, what did they say in that film, Steel Magnolias? Things that people knew in their hearts, but not in their heads. So you give a name to jokes. There are the self-referential jokes where you have a premise, which is, you know, just a sentence, and the punchline either confirms that or undermines it. So you have, like, a line uh, by Arnold Brown who says... I, oh, I enjoy the comedy of self-deprecation, but I'm not very good at it. And all that is, is he is being self-deprecating, which is yes. what the guy just said. And that's a principle. So, so all, you're, all you're doing in the book is, is analysing it and, and going, these are, you know, this is, these are your choices. These are the tools. These are the numbers. A plus A equals A is a joke. A plus A equals Z is also a joke. You know, it's just how... It's almost like the mathematics of these things. Why uh, Why have we... You know, a lot of people say, oh, we can't do a good sitcom in Australia. We cannot do a good sitcom in Australia. There's, and then we've had great sitcoms in Australia. It's just people don't like to remember them. People don't like to remember things like the games. They don't like to remember the first series of Kath and Kim. They don't like to remember... Oh, mother and Son. Mother and Son. Das Kapital. Das Kapital, which is... <laughs> you know, how many, how many sitcoms in the world were set... In a, a spaceship museum. Not many, if any. A spaceship submarine. A spaceship submarine museum. <laughs> yeah. My mistake. That was, talk about a high concept, we couldn't get any taller. <laughs> but Australians do make great sitcoms and the audience loves them. Hey Dad, when it was on TV, was the longest running sitcom ever. Yes. Only equipped, eclipsed by Seinfeld. And then The Simpsons. Oh, and then uh, the Simpsons, which, which has now gone on for nine decades, man. I believe. I know. Yeah. I know. We were all so young when it started. Oh, man. I remember looking at Bart thinking, I hope when I grow up, I'll be like him. And then uh, and you did grow up, and he didn't. 
No. And you're still not yellow. No, no. So, so do you, do you, did you did you see the opening in the market there, as it were? And and do you think do you think the kids of today have forgotten the art of how to tell a story that's funny? Oh, kind of, Brett. I mean, it's it's a natural skill. Everybody's funny, really. There aren't many people who have no sense of humour. And uh, uh, the thing, the reason why I thought a book about it would be good was because no Australian has ever written a book on how to write comedy and sitcom, ever. I thought, well, if that's not a gap in the market, what is? But also I thought we needed an Australian to be on the shelf alongside everybody else who's written their theory of comedy. And the other reason was because I saw a real problem in the way Australians write their movie scripts. If you look at Australian cinema, you're the only one. But if you look at Australian (laughs) cinema, (laughs) unless it's a comedy or has comic elements, it does not, will not, cannot and hasn't made a cent. In fact, it has lost money. Every Australian drama, I don't care what it is, unless it's Lantana, which had funny moments, unless it's Lantana, has lost money in the last 15 years because... Oh, see, see, he he discounts Mad Max. Shine. Shine. He's discounting Mad Max. Shine? Shine was hilarious. Is Shine less than 15 years old? I don't know. Oh, and it's funny because it's got that wacko guy and Jeffrey Rush in it. No, there are funny moments in Shine. It's the ones like... But the, it's, a tra- it's a tragedy overall, though. The tree that's on at the moment is about a tree. And what's wrong with the tree? Well, the tree is haunted. Is it? Well, we don't know. Oh, do we find out? No, we don't. Why? Because <laughs> this is an Australian film, so we don't have a, a protagonist, B, a goal for that person, and C, something standing between that person and their goal. So isn't there an issue about who's putting money into these things for them to get developed and greenlit? Aha! Uh-huh. No, Brett, it is that the writing is crap. No, see, and I don't producers well, have to make the films they're given. And writers are writing self-indulgent, story-free bilge and the producers have to eat. I don't, I don't believe that, Tim. You're going to blame it on the government bodies, I, aren't you? I am going to blame it on whoever has the money. Not necessarily just the government bodies, but whoever is whoever is going for the money, uh, they well this is this is what the money is given out for. Ah, but the reason why most films, for example, you know the ones that deal with the dark issues, the dark issues, incest, and all of those other things, uh, appeal to rich people who think oh it's worthwhile something should be said about this problem. And so I guess, yeah, they put the money in because they care about the issue. The only trouble is nobody goes to see that stuff because we know it's depressing. Do you really want to go and queue up outside a cinema to go and see Samson and Delilah for the second time? <laughs> no, of, of, of course not. Why but I, would but I also, you? But I also don't want to watch a, a TV show that is just about a, a Navy sea boat getting into strife every week. And I also don't want to see a TV show about... Mm. Uh, about a family and, oh, don't they have lovely family troubles that can, uh, you know, and a lot of people do want to see that. A lot of people are quite happy with Pack to the Rafters because it gives them exactly the kind of uh, soppy uh, relationship thoughtlessness that they need 
for, for watching TV. But, oh, but, it, but that's not thoughtless. The, you can't say Pack to the Rafters is written thoughtlessly by stupid people for stupid people. It's written by the smartest people in Australian screenwriting that money can buy. For stupid people? No, for people who, A, don't listen to Triple R, B, don't live in the inner city, and C, probably didn't go to some smart-ass university. But IQ does not follow postcodes, and that is the problem with Australian screenwriting. Too many Australian screenwriters are snobs, and they don't want to think that Broad Meadows might enjoy their film. But the, the, the uh, Jacobson brothers wanted Broad Meadows to enjoy their film, and Kenny is a very clever, cleverly built and touching, heart-filled film. And those guys have reaped the rewards. In the meantime, all this moronic, story-free, depressing, depressing crap gets no audience outside of the Nova Cinema. And there is nowhere near enough people who can fit into those tiny rooms at the Nova (laughs) to pay for the film being made. So it is snobbery on the path on behalf of the inner city against the people who are actually paying for the film, which is the taxpayers of Australia. Again, I don't don't think it's necessarily just that simple, because if I think about uh, television, which I do almost all the time, I get into trouble when I'm driving. Yeah. Uh, When I think about television, I think about uh, a kind of reverse snobbery that... Uh, the networks have where they think, oh, well, people from Broadmeadows aren't going to get this. Kath and Kim had that exact same problem. They thought, oh, people from Broadmeadows aren't going to get this. When it was really, you know, largely about them and about the people who moved out to Caroline Springs and about the people who bought houses in Melton and about all of those people. But because it was uh, a little bit clever, because it was poking fun at ourselves, uh, the networks, the, the, the major commercial networks passed on it. And uh, and ABC got it in the end. Uh, the ABC let it sit on the shelf for six years first. Well, that's true. Because the head, the commissioning editor of comedy at the time, uh, told Gina and Jane that the show was too broad. Now I find this so ludicrous. It is offensive. It's it sounds like and I don't I don't want you to say yes or no. I don't, you don't have to confirm this. It sounds like something Jeff Portman would have would have said. It uh, does. It, it does. It, it does sound like that, doesn't it? Yeah, too broad. What the hell does that mean and that is snobbery. That was snobbery keeping Kath and Kim off the screens because for starters, well, Jane, Jane and Gina come from the inner city. They're educated. You'd think they would be allowed to grace the ABC screens but oh no so it's snobbery i've met all these screenwriters at conference after conference and i gotta say most of them are glasses of water who are only standing up because they've been in the fridge for so long this has to be wiped out this culture it has to be built again from the ground up and i'll tell you why because writing is about the two masks and one cries see beautiful kate See Samson and Delilah. See the tree. (laughs) I don't want to see any of those films. And the other mask is laughing. See all the films that have made money. 14 of the top 20 Australian box office hits of all time have been comedies, including Muriel's Wedding, Strictly Ballroom, Crocodile Dundee, The Castle, The Dish, you name it. 
comedy makes money, and not just because it tells simple stories, but because it's what the audience wants. And also because you can't write a narrative comedy if you don't know drama. But comedy doesn't necessarily make money. I'm thinking about the Comedy Channel recently, and they had a a show with excellent scripts called I Can't Believe It's Not Better. Uh, (laughs) And uh, and they just kind of burnt it completely. Uh, You know, I'm wondering if Shock Jock could be made today. I think, oh, yeah. I think the I think the uh, I think the culture of the the people who run the channels has changed. Foxtel's tricky because the media, by and large, ignores new Foxtel channels uh, uh, and their shows. Mick Malloy's show, Jesters, um, battled very hard to get the media attention it deserved because it's on Foxtel in the same way that it's very hard for, say, a Triple R show to get front page of the Green Guide Mm. um, on a regular basis. Look what's happening in radio because you're just eclipsed by the stations that have the numbers and greater relevance to a greater readership. So it's harder on Foxtel to have shows that cut through unless... They are so extreme that it's inevitable. But uh, it's very hard even for that show, was it called Perfection, with a bunch of women walking around naked being prostitutes? Oh, Satisfaction. Satisfaction. Even that found it difficult to cut through to the mainstream because people can't just switch it on if they read about it and say, oh, I'll watch that now. And it's it's only it's shows like uh, Love My Way, which had yes. the... Uh, it, it, and. and Love My Way was only successful because it had the pedigree of uh, of Secret Life of Us. And Secret mm. Life of Us was only successful because Channel 10 took a really big risk. Well, of course, and uh, the ABC picked up Love My Way as they picked up Shock Shock, and that makes it all worth it because then you are going out for free to people's houses and, you know, Bob's your uncle. So... It's a, as a general rule, comedy has a far greater chance of achieving an audience. But, but I, I think, I, I still think that, you know, it's, it's going to take someone brave with money to take that risk. I mean, for, for every, you know, there could be 20 scripts as good as Bad Eggs out there. Someone's still going to put their money on the tree because it will play at the Nova and they can make their, you know, $25,000 back. Well, it'd be interesting to see the, the difference in the ratios of government money versus private money on bad eggs versus on the tree. Like, I know that Kenny was all privately funded. There was no government government money in that at all. Not a cent, because the two brothers thought, why would we bother going to a whole bunch of over-serious inner-city dwellers when, we're, when we want to talk to the real people, the people outside this weird shell that we live in here in St Kilda and Brunswick and Coburg now, for God's sake. Coburg's now full of left-wing <laughs> numbnuts. I spent a few years in Canberra when I was a teenager. We moved out of the country, which was cushioned enough, and in Canberra, By the time I left with the Doug Anthony All-Stars, I thought the whole world was like this. And I couldn't understand why the Liberal Party even still existed, because everybody I knew, everybody ever spoke to, only ever agreed uh, with what I was thinking. In the same way, you walk around inner-city Melbourne, and everybody will tell you that the Greens are a perfectly (laughs) sound political movement. 
when the simple fact is they're not a political movement, they're a political party and they have politics in their veins. The Greens are not just about the green thing. They are watermelons. They are pink on the inside and green on the outside. Let's not kid ourselves. But if you walked into Mario's in Brunswick Street and Fitzroy and said, who's voting for the Greens? All the hands of the educated, he says, making inverted commas with his fingers. Including Red Simons down at Mario's. Including Red Simons. Oh, I don't know if Red has to vote. Does he? Doesn't have to. No, no, he's, he has special dispensation. They would all say, I am voting Green. And if you ask them why, they'd say because of the environment. And then you'd say, well, what about the... Uh, what about the foreign currency exchange? What? What about their policy on that? Well, I don't, what about their policy on the World Bank? What? How about the IMF? Have you read their policy on that? No, but I, this is all going a little bit. And have you read about this? Do I suspect it's, it's something different to that. I, I suspect it's a bit more complicated than than that. What? The well, the. There was an interesting poll a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the Galaxy poll saying that 20% of Victorians are indicating that they're, they're going to vote Green as their first preference. Shocking. Um, but I think that uh, I think what's really pushing them that way is that there's so little difference between the two major parties and both of them have, have forgotten about humanity and it's all pro-business and pro-market and it's all about the economy. Nobody cares about the two major parties don't care about people anymore. If you can bring that back to television, I'll be very impressed, Brett Cropley. We don't see it on television either. I got in first. Oh, nice one. <laughs> the nice Greens one. are a political movement. Sure, you think that the Liberals don't care about boat people? It's ridiculous. You think the Labor Party doesn't care about uh, the state of the education system in Victoria? No, that's absurd. It's just that they can't just sit on the sidelines and make stuff up the way the Greens can. We believe that all children should be given dwarves to serve them. And it just we- can't work. Just very quickly, because we've gone way, way, way over. See, this is the problem with having three interesting people in the one show, and then you and me, Brett. Interesting uh, uh, in our own rights. Oh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, if you're going to watch... Back me up, Tim. <laughs> Tim, you were... I'm just sitting back, basking in the sounds, man. <laughs> the mellifluous tones of the box cutters. Lady, gentlemen, whoever you are who's listening, listen to this quick wrap-up of the program. Uh, if I was going to watch one thing this week, uh, it would be somewhere else on my sheet. Your language. Your one thing is on uh, uh, my, my UK one, TV. My one thing, UK TV, Thursday night at 9.30, is that Mitchell and Webb look. New series. That Mitchell and Webb look. Uh, so, so does that mean this one hasn't been road-tested in that Mitchell and Webb sounds in I think the radio so. I don't know. Formats. I don't know, because they're also, they're also still doing episodes of Peep Show, Peep aren't Show. they? Yep. yep. Th- those kids don't stop. They don't stop. And, uh, and uh, what's his face? Mitchell is uh, doing his little video podcasts. Right. His soapbox, it's called. And, uh, yeah, just a very funny sketch. From the first season. Very funny sketch. Uh, I actually more appreciated the audio-only version of it. Oh, interesting. Because uh, I did remake them. Uh, my one thing over the week is uh, it's on... Monday nights, uh, it's not necessarily just tonight, uh, it's every Monday, 10 o'clock, SBS, it's shameless, purely 
my 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 curiosity has been completely piqued by Mrs. Doyle from Father Ted, who's now Frank's love interest. And uh, I, I watched. I'm not sure if it was the episode from last week or the week before, but uh, a full-on naked sex scene with oh, Mrs. Doyle from oh no, Father I can't, Ted. I can't watch that. Tim, if if you were going to watch one thing on television this week, what would it be? I'd watch myself. I'd watch myself on <laughs> Channel 31, which is 44 on your on digital, digital dial. Don't ask me why, but it's on Channel 44 if you go in digital, and it's uh, Wednesday night at 8 p.m., and if possible, I'll be watching myself out of the corner of my eye on the monitor. That's, uh, that's one thing. Uh, we'll hopefully put them up on the web if you missed them, because we spoke very, very quickly. Uh, boxcutters.net if you uh, need to know what to watch this week. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. Uh, now, just very quickly before we get into Trotters with uh, Toby Halligan. Toby's Trotters. Toby's, to- Toby's Trotters. Do, do, do. Uh, in, uh, in Pork, Brett Cropley, only two votes this week for keeping the This Week portion of the Box Cutters website. And zero votes for Get Rid of It. So yeah, but- keep it has... <laughs> has triumphed. I uh, call it. Yeah, I'm saying. I'm saying that's only two people who want it. Oh, you see, they're they're. That's only two people who want it. They're, sh- they're shy little uh, uh, granola kids. They don't care. They do. They it may, It means so much to the, to the ones that do listen to it. Those two. To no, those no, two. It's not one just of two. one of whom it's one just... of whom said because we do this bit at the end of, where we just record this little bit. Tim, where we say this week on box cutters, and it's in this bit of the website that nobody ever clicks on. We've got no way to measure it, no idea how many people listen to it, and we put a call out last week saying, let us know on the blog if you want us to keep that part of the website, and only two people responded. That's, that's, uh, I don't think that's enough, Tim. But to those two people, that was plenty. Uh, and see, I'm, I'm a big listener, but I didn't respond. I, I think look, we're I think we're less look, you know, think, full of ourselves and needing to to play a part. I think perhaps if each of those two people had had to you know climb a mountain in order to indicate that they supported that section of the site, but all they had to do was click a random poll, man. <laughs> like, not, not even not even click a random poll. All they had to do was was type in "I like, I like that bit" yeah. and, and hit enter. Like you know, two hundred thousand people do that on newspapers every day in Australia, but. Yeah, we're about audio. We're not about typing. <laughs> Toby, what have you got for us in Trotters? And O's show on SBS was called The Squiz. Ah, oh, yes. yes. How indeed. could we forget that terrible title? How could you? There have been 22 seasons of The Simpsons. Um, one of the other contenders to host uh, the Australian Amazing Race uh, was Ben Cousins. That would have been an interesting show. Oh, I mean, especially with the rumours around now that he's dead. Yeah, well, you could have what? had races down highways. There's serious rumours around that he's dead. It would have been a much faster race. It certainly would have. You know, <laughs> well, exactly. Meth will do that. Meth will do that. Um, the Stig, um, on the Wikipedia page, uh, there's a quote from Jeremy Clarkson explaining the introduction of The Stig where he said, we don't know its name. We really don't know its name. Nobody knows its name. And we don't want to know. Because it's a racing driver, which summarises quite <laughs> neatly how they how they look at people in the profession. Um, Tim was quoting before Steel Magnolia got the quote slightly wrong. He said something about my mind Damn and heart. It. Yeah, the quote was actually that's what my mind says. I wish somebody would explain it to Genghis Khan. Easy mistake to make. That's all, what I meant. We've all been there, haven't we? Um, I also found an interesting <laughs> article about 
Uh, film financing in Australia, a lot of it's opinion. It's on the Cracking Yarns blog. If you're interested in that, it's probably worth following up. But what they concluded was that while American films need to make about four times the actual original investment in Australia, they reckon it's about six times. Six oh. times the original budget in order to make a profit. And they listed, you know, the number of films that have sold above 18 million and there's only eight of them or something, you know, from The Dish to Dundee. And so based on that, this person on Cracking Yarns um, concluded that maybe, you know, a lot of people were just making films out of love because, you know, making money is almost impossible. Did, did you get the top ten grossing Australian films of all time? It's got well. It's got the the most successful. I couldn't. I couldn't find one that had a list of just the Australian ones that kept on. Well, this has got a top yeah. eight. It, I think Crocodile Dundee. Feet. I'm not sure you can count Happy, Happy Feet. Feet's an Australian four. film. Happy Feet is Australian. Crocodile that Dundee number one. Australia is number two. So, although nobody living in the inner city would ever go and see that film, it's actually I'm sure everybody quite a good did film. back in '86. Um, oh, Australia. Everybody no, that's now not listening. Crocodile Dundee. I mean, oh, Australia, Australia. Baz Luhrmann's Australia. Everybody, so they missed it. But Australia has grossed, I think, ninety million dollars with DVD sales still going through the roof. Did you Just enjoy? Just goes it, to Tim? show how much in touch did, we have did, to stay. Did you see it, Tim? I saw it twice in the cinema. I cried when the little boy stopped the cows. You don't even know what I'm talking about. But I no, no, I, I know that bit in Crocodile Dundee where he stops the bull. Yeah, but you don't cry. This is where the little boy stops a whole herd of cows. And he does it through, you know, beautiful indigenous singing and it's just wonderful. And if you haven't seen it, it's because you're a snob, listener. You are a snob. And you're going, God, I hate that Tim Ferguson. He's accusing me of something. Just because it's true doesn't mean it's fair. So, I, so I, you weren't worried about losing three hours of your life twice over? God, for, no. For it was magical payback. filmmaking. Uh, it was I, Australia's first ever blockbuster budget and I, don't first, like, I don't like Baz Luhrmann it doesn't matter if you like Baz Luhrmann who likes what you don't like him because he's successful don't you don't like, like him because he's pushy you don't like him because he has an American way of going about things people no, in I this country like have to wake up bore me they don't then though it doesn't matter they, you mean strictly did, ballroom was boring yes God, what do you want to go and watch the tree on 45 I want Mad Max I want people cutting each other up and shooting each other for oil sore yeah, that wasn't for oil. It's just snobbery, people, snobbery. And you, dear listener, <laughs> if you've seen Australia, give yourself a pat on the back of that tongue and get out whatever is inside your system and go out and buy yourself a lunch. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 248. I want to say thanks so much to Tony Martin for calling in uh, during his very busy schedule. Thanks also to Tom Elliott for coming in during his very busy schedule, mm. telling us all about the uh, the Packer Murdoch 10 scenario. Fascinating. More questions still abound. I know. I know. We'll have it's to like, wait and see what happens. It's like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Every question you get answered, it's another question just around the corner. What does the end of that film mean? It's so See? Out. See? It's That's so how it starts. Out. Until next week. <laughs> I, I also want to say thanks very much to our co-host. He was brilliant. He was, he was excellent. He's going to say his name by himself shortly. And he was, he was so useful for the video podca- podcast because he's the best looking person we've ever had on the show, I think I can it's, say. He's gorgeous. Hey, yes. I've got competition though. I'm sitting here looking across the table at Brett and Josh and... Young Toby by George, you're three strapping lads. My name is Tim Ferguson. I'm the author of The Cheeky Monkey. That's right, The Cheeky Monkey. Go to currency.com.au and buy yourself a favour. There'll, there'll be a link to that on the blog as well. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. Can I get out of Deborah now? Tim Ferguson. <laughs>
I've been Toby Halligan. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time. Same bat channel. I'm straight. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Toby Halligan and Josh Canal, with help from Brett Cropley, John Richards and Nelly Thomas. Our audio engineer slash magician is Brett Cropley. Peter Wilson commands our servers to do his bidding. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this show pretty much each and every week. Listen to the greatest radio station in the world on 102.7 FM if you're in the area or else on the web at rrr.org.au. If you enjoyed this episode of Box Cutters, then go to the iTunes Music Store or Facebook or Twitter or something and write a review. Spread the word and help other people find this show so that they can enjoy it too. If you're looking for us on Twitter, we're at Box Cutters Cast and our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash boxcutters. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or through the Contact Us link on the blog, which you'll find at boxcutters.net. You can also send us an SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. So, Tim, uh, just so the people at, uh, you know, listening on the trams know, uh, Deborah, what's she really like? Deborah, well, warm. And once you're inside someone, their room temperature, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Only one person can dig me out of this hole, Brett. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters. <laughs>